Hello and welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Scott Murray, a cardiologist from Liverpool who is an expert in cardiac rehabilitation after heart attack and in patients with heart failure and is also a passionate advocate of the use of calcium scoring and the power of a zero calcium score. We have a wide-ranging discussion and I do hope you enjoy it. Many thanks for joining me on this episode of the Heart Podcast and I'm delighted to be joined in person by Dr. Scott Murray. Scott, could you please introduce yourself for the Heart audience, tell people where you work and what you do? Okay, thanks James. Uh, I'm Scott Murray, I'm a consultant cardiologist at Royal Liverpool University Hospital in Liverpool. I'm currently the president of the British Association of Cardiovascular Prevention and Rehabilitation. Um, be handing that over in October of this year. I originally trained as an um, interventional cardiologist and did my uh, research in intravascular imaging. Uh, but after a couple of years of getting up in the night as a consultant, um, I decided that maybe that wasn't the best life choice to have made. Um, and having a wife who's a consultant as well and three young boys, uh, it, when the chance came to slightly change track, I, I, I took. So uh, what is it you do now, Scott? What's your specialist area? So my, my job plan is a mixture now. Uh, I've been working with the CCG and the council and we've created a, a prevention strategy for the city of Liverpool, uh, which is structural in nature. Uh, it's more about what can be done, um, you know, at a population level uh, in, in Liverpool to try and change the, you know, the epidemic of, of, of cardiovascular disease that, that is ongoing there. And I work with the CCG to try and reimagine the rehabilitation services. So it's taken a long, a long while. Uh, but clinically, I'm on a general acute cardiology rota. I do coronary angiography uh, from the radial route still, and I do cardiac CT uh, on Wednesday afternoons and uh, a couple of clinics, rapid access chest pain, that sort of thing. Uh, so it's pretty busy. And you're very well known, Scott, in the cardiology community for being a big advocate of uh, cardiac rehab and effective cardiac rehab. And you've just given a talk here in Manchester at the British Cardiovascular Society meeting about how we can bring cardiac rehab into the, let's say, 21st, 22nd century. Can you just give us a few bullet points about things that you see on the horizon that will change the way we care for people post myocardial infarction and people with heart failure? Well, I'm a, it's my goal to try and uh, improve the image of rehabilitation because it, it's still, you know, stuck in the 1980s. We're still, you know, asking people to come to dusty gyms that look like a school gym and ask them to jump up and down on a bench. Um, you know, there's been absolutely no investment whatsoever uh, in cardiac rehabilitation. The staff are phenomenal, wonderful people who are there out of goodwill in a lot of cases. Uh, working exceptionally hard in difficult circumstances and there's been no credence paid to them and that's something that I feel very strongly about. Uh, so the hope is uh, that we can change the way that rehab is delivered somehow to make it more appealing and more able to uh, come to the centre of the patient's worries and concerns because ultimately they need to know that rehabilitation is about them and what they need and what matters to them. At the moment, it's billed to them as an exercise program. Uh, and occasionally that's done over the phone a few weeks after they've left hospital. 
And as I said in my talk today, a bit like getting phoned up with, do you have PPI? Often the phone gets put down when someone's yeah. asked as they're recovering from a heart event, if they want to come and do exercise. So we need to change the, the offer. We need to change the way that it's delivered and we need to change ex patients' expectations and, and education uh, on what rehab consists of. And we also need to change doctors' attitudes because um, as I mentioned again today, if rehabilitation was a drug uh, with the outcomes it gives in terms of uh, mortality, cardiac events, reduced hospital admissions, this would be a blockbuster. And Can you just highlight some of the some of those outcomes that have been shown in clinical trials for the benefits of cardiac rehab? Yeah, sure. So there's um, 48 randomized controlled trials. There's lots of Cochrane evidence if anyone wants to go and look it up uh, in both uh, coronary artery disease and heart failure. is showing that the number needed to treat to prevent a hospital admission utilizing rehab is around 18. And if you compare that um, to, for instance, uh, you know, standard cardiac therapy, um, you know, this blows it out of the water. Uh, in, in Tresto, for instance, um, which was on my slide, uh, reduced hospital admissions uh, by 38% in, in, in those pharma-sponsored trials. And uh, um, cardiac rehab does it 41%. So you could say that there is even synergy there between cardiac rehabilitation and drug uh, titration. So there is something in this. And the more we get people to wake up out of the drug paradigm, the more we're able to convince doctors and health specialists that cardiac rehab should be prescribed on the take home at the top of the list because it's the most important. And that stress to patients that this is almost like chemotherapy after cancer. You know, you have to complete your treatment. And if you complete your treatment, you're less likely to come back into hospital. You're less likely to have a cardiac event in the future. So it's, it's of profound importance and I still struggle day to day to realize why we haven't invested and focused on this in cardiology and this is why I, I, I'm in the position I'm in at the moment. Um, I'm assuming we're not doing a very good job at the moment. We're not reaching the patients that we should reach. The percentage of patients leaving hospital without effective rehab is is quite high. Yeah, so we're, we're missing uh, upwards of 67,000 patients every year. Uh, we're recruiting roughly 50% to cardiac rehab. Of them, about 76% complete. Um, but when you look at heart failure, which was the conversation today, um, we're only really in the total number of patients in rehabilitation in the 2018 NACRA report, we're only seeing 6% of heart failure. In some areas, they're seeing about 20%, but there's there's also, uh, you know, some programs that don't see heart failure. So there's a complete across the board, no standardization, and it's because it's not been invested in. Mm. Um, and it's not that the, the people in cardiac rehab don't want to see these patients. They, they know the benefits of it. It's the actual stress on the system. So it's about patient education. It's also about referring doctors' education yeah. about, as you say, though, I mean, those those results you mentioned compared to the standard drugs we give people, antiplatelet, statins, et cetera, after heart attack, they're amazing. And to be honest, I wasn't aware that it was such an effective treatment. Well, it made it onto a TED Talk, cardiac rehab, um, impact factors of how long you'll live. Cardiac rehab is, is number six. 
Um, and, you know, if you look at Professor Chris Gale's work, there's a paper, Dondo et al., um, looking at the impact of care opportunities. When you have a patient in front of you with an acute coronary syndrome, for instance, the, the most important thing is being in a coronary angiography lab. Uh, the next most important thing is poor care i.e. not having all the summation of all the things you should have. Uh, and the next thing is cardiac rehab and smoking cessation. Two of the things that we do really badly. And then you move on to the stuff that we do really well, like aspirin mm. and statin and drugs and ECGs and echoes and those mm. sort of things. So when we start looking at impact of care and bangs for buck in terms of how much this actually costs, it's an, It really is a no-brainer and uh, it's only now that the British Heart Foundation is, is waking up to this and the NHS long-term plan is starting to say, you know, we should do something about this. This could be a solution. The problem is we need investment and we need help and we need structure and support and we need lots of new, fresh ideas to come in. If you had an unlimited budget, Scott, what, how would ideal world of cardiac rehab after a heart attack look? Well, it certainly wouldn't be a dusty gym in a, in, a, in an old church hall, um, which is what we are, you know, occasionally looking at for venues. So, you know, it would be that we're we're linked in with football clubs, which we're trying to do in 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 Liverpool. We've we've got inroads with Everton, who've been absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, Liverpool, to a less extent, they don't really want to get involved. Um, so, you know, that sort of the power of um, support from uh, other attractive agencies so gyms you know um if we could link up with virgin or with you know david lloyd or all these other things where people feel like they might want to go the problem is we need to improve the offer for women there's only 29 percent of women come to cardiac rehabilitation and that is sad we need to improve the offer for um uh, ethnic minorities uh, i mean some of the, the the figures in the nacra database for the uptake in, in in black men for instance is exceptionally low uh, and those are people who stand to have great benefits mm. uh, from rehabilitation so we, we 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 need to change the offer and we need to make it more about the patient and what they want uh, but we also need to make it attractive to work in this area yeah. um at the moment, you know, it needs profound investment, which I have been told from some of the higher uh, echelons of NHS England and um, BCS that, that this is mapped out in terms of funding, but who knows. Are other countries around the world that you're aware of doing this better than we are in the UK? Yes, I was reading the other day about Taiwan, um, who... They have a, they increased their um, uptake of cardiac rehab for heart failure to 90%. And the way they did that was that the patient was approached at the bedside before they left hospital. They were introduced to a member of the cardiac rehabilitation team. And that member, along with a heart failure specialist nurse, uh, created a bond, created a, the feeling with the patient that this was about them it was about able to explore everything that they needed uh, and they then gave them an appointment there and then to say you are coming back and this is your follow-up at two weeks mm. and we'll deal with all your issues there come to that we with you know everything you need and we'll start the process and that 
just that simple engagement with the patient right at the start of the journey uh, was was profound. You know, 90%. I mean, we probably couldn't cope in, in rehab now in the current state if we got, if we went from 20% of heart failure patients to 90%. So we have to think about the, you know, the, the service. Fantastic. So, I mean, that's certainly something to, to strive for, right? Yeah. Amazing figures there. Let's finish off just by talking a little bit about calcium scoring. I know that's another area of interest to you. Uh, in the UK, we have the revised 2016 guidelines for assessment of patients with chest pain. Uh, the, in summary, the message seemed to be go straight to CT angiography and don't bother with the calcium score. But mm. there was some reassuring or encouraging news from the US in 2018 where patients at an intermediate risk on the framing or other systems were allowed to have, I think it was a class 2A yeah. calcium scoring, uh, calcium scan to help decide whether they should receive statins or not. What are your personal thoughts on that? Do you think um, that obviously for patients with chest pain, it's probably less useful, but other groups of patients might benefit from, from calcium scoring? Well, I mean, I think uh, calcium scoring is is underutilized because of this big shift to, to CT coronary angiography. Uh, in terms of where I think it's useful, uh, I think it's useful in a rapid access chest pain clinic setting if you're concerned about someone who has non-anginal pain um, or severe atypical pain, sometimes you know atypical pain in, in females could be coronary disease and and you know obviously grey zones. But by and large, if someone has non-anginal pain but has risk factors, mm. so father died at a young age, hypertension, diabetic, these sort of things, I think it's useful to know. Uh, whether there's calcium or not, because as you as you know, but m many people may not know, but um, promise study um, work from yourself now um, and your group in, in Cambridge and Adam Timmis uh, in in London shows in real world patients even presenting with chest pain that if your calcium scores zero, then your chance of having absolutely prognostic or major coronary disease is exceptionally low, and your event rate is exceptionally low. Uh, you know we're talking less than you know one percent in the majority of cases bit of a caveat for smokers if you're a smoker you may be one 1.4 percent risk um but even out to 50 months you're not talking just one year yeah. and Kurum nazir from states has put a lot of effort in um on this uh, hashtag power of zero looking at bigger data sets um, you know, raggy data sets and those sort of things showing that in actual fact, even out to 13 years, you could potentially say that no one actually died a cardiac death. Now, you know, I, I think um, that's, uh, as I say, it's there, but it, it's something that doesn't sit well with everyone in terms of not progressing to CT coronary angiography. So I use it in those patients where if they're over 50, and I retake the history when they're on the CT table. If it's genuinely non-cardiac, uh, then if the calcium score zero, I will take them off. Yeah. Uh, and I'll explain that in the report as to why I haven't given them more radiation and more contrast. Uh, obviously, if it's typical angina, then in, even in calcium score zero patients who are middle age, maybe 45, 50, I, won't pro I will progress to CTCA uh, just in case. And there's been a few patients who've come through with non-calcified plaques. But what I've found is that when you look at their story, they often uh, have a concurrent thrombo uh, 
thrombotic issues, so they've got lupus or they've got a JAK2 mutation or um, uh, prothrombin gene mutation. In actual fact, they're building plaque in other ways. They're not building through classic atherosclerosis. They're building a more acute thrombotic plaque, and I think that's what can happen in the smokers too. Then you've got on the other side of the coin, if you are calcium zero, but you're high risk, maybe on Framingham or JBS3, or other risk calculators, uh, you find that there's now not much evidence to suggest giving aspirin and statin. Uh, as you know, aspirin's slightly falling out of favour, and, and maybe you could make the case that if their calcium scores more than 100, then yes to aspirin and statin, because the number needed to treat is, is good and the, and the number needed to harm is less. Whereas if your calcium scores zero, then you're looking at number needed treats in the 500s. And, and just to clarify, so that would be patients without any chest pain symptoms where you're asking the question, should this person have primary prevention with aspirin and a statin? Yeah, so that that's a, it's a slightly different issue. So, for instance, GPs who are trying to make the decision, oh, should I put this patient on a statin and typing everything into Q-Risk 2 and then a, a number spits out, uh, you know, 7.5 or 10 and thinking well you know family risk or oh, just bung them on a statin and and that'll be it all done with forget about it in actual fact you know those patients could have net reclassification of their risk using either the MISA calculator or AstraCharm calculator where you can input their coronary calcium score and then you can get a net reclassification of risk and if they're down at 5% 4% after that then there isn't any need to really go to the aspirin and statin and what about using calcium screwing in other patient groups? I know this is an interest of yours, patients with psoriasis, rheumatoid disease, HIV. Do you see a value there? Yeah, well, I mean, if you put those patients into Framingham, uh, sorry, or, or GBSD or Q-Risk, then there's normally a box to tick for inflammatory conditions um, with a 1.6 times, uh, you know, inflator of the score. Um, so, yeah, we, we I get a, um, a stream of patients coming from urologists that I'm, uh, I know who sends me people with erectile dysfunction because that predates ACS by three to five years. So I've got a stream of people who come with erectile dysfunction who then go and have uh, coronary calcium scores. Um I've got a trial uh, which starts in August in people with HIV uh, who have a hybrid metabolic condition which is stimulated by the infection with the virus and the drugs that they take okay. uh, and that affects both their uh, adipocyte uh, size, uh, actually can kill adipocytes, some of the drugs for HIV but also inflames uh, their system to produce more harmful lipids. So they're in a, a you know a very difficult situation. They need the drugs because the drugs stop them from dying, but the drugs and the infection means that they're more likely to have myocardial infarction. So we're doing CT calcium score and coronary angiograms in uh, people with HIV in Liverpool, and they're actually having a drug switch to a more stable cardiac uh, drug um, that's uh, been purported to be safer from a cardiovascular profile, and we're going to follow them up at one year initially to look at plaque burden and see whether anything's changed. But another group will stay on the more harmful, yeah. uh, so it's a randomisation. But it's only a pilot trial. It's not going to give us you know, yeah. big headline numbers, but should be back here with some of the results in a few years' time, hopefully. Fantastic. Well, that's a really good overview. Thank you very much, Scott, for telling us about your plans for the future of cardiac rehabilitation and also the way that you use calcium scoring uh, in 2019. Thank you very much for joining me. Well, thank you, James, for the opportunity. Music